Bill always said you were one of the best ladies he ever saw with an edged weapon. You I know he didn't qualify that. So you can just kiss my mother black mamba. Black mamba. I should have been mother black mamba. Weapon of choice, and if you want to stick with your butcher knife, that's fine with me. Very funny. Very funny. She was actually really cool. Um, whatever her name is. What's her name? Vivica Ray Fox. Yeah, Vivica Ray Fox. She was she was cool. I love, cool. I love her energy, and it's cool how she's the introduction to what ends up being the the story of the film, well, the story of the film, well, the entire story, which is about killing all the assassins. Um, and she's like one of the first. But I was just kind of bummed that we didn't see her again because she was. Oh, really? I just oh. like her as an actress. Oh, yeah, no, no, uh, like, okay. like I like yeah. her as an actress, and I, and I was kind of digging where she was coming from, a little bit of her history as a character as part of this whole Assassin's crew. And then we just don't see her again. I was like, damn. And then the rest of the movie, I'm kind of like, uh. Oh, you're just like, are you sitting there missing Vivica Ray Fox? Only because the rest of the movie, I just was not that interested. <laughs> oh, for real? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm just okay. not that interested. But I guess we'll find out more. Wait, are we doing? Uh, so is is there no? Did you lose the rights to the intro song? No, no, no. no. <laughs> this is the perfect time that we can roll the intro. Welcome back. Doesn't feel right without it. <laughs> Doesn't feel right without it. Welcome back to the intro. So it sounds like from what you've just sort of hinted at that you did not love this movie. Mm, I don't love the movie, no. No. Damn. I don't know if I hate it, but um I don't love it. Should we talk yeah. about what this is? <laughs> yeah. So welcome back to the Logical Podcast. This is episode sixty-five. We are reviewing all of Tarantino's films. Mr. Quentin Tarantino. Um Revered as one of the greatest filmmakers of his generation. Uh, some might agree, some might not agree. I'd say that it's more in favor of the um, former. You know, I think most people would agree that he is one of the greatest filmmakers of his generation. I do. Yeah, by default, you'd have to just agree, right? You, you, there's not a strong case for disagreeing. No, no, because he does make some good films. However, yeah. we are now reviewing and recapping the fourth film of the Tarantino film, Armada. Kill Bill Volume 1, directed and written by Quentin Tarantino. It was also written by Uma Thurma. How crazy is that? Uma Thurman, Thurman. The, the main actress. Is it Uma Thurman? Oh, my bad. It's Uma Thurman, not Uma Thurma. What? Yeah. Wait, I've, I think I've always called her Uma Thurma. Really? That's actually a really sort of fun name to say. That's weird. Like I always thought her name was Uma Thurma. That is yeah. awkward. Okay, well. So she wrote this. She was um, a co-writer on this film, yeah. It's it's it's, it's interesting because, like, look, this doesn't have like the classic Quentin Tarantino dialogue, and by classic, I mean the dialogue in two of his four, first four films. So it's sort of gotten to a point where I'm just wondering, like, is his thing like that dialogue? Have we sort of like uh, typecast him too early? 
Because I don't think this movie would benefit from that kind of dialogue either, to be honest. Maybe. So maybe it is intentional. I do think the opening scene with Vivica, um, how do you say her last name? Vivica Fox. A. A Fox. Yeah. Um, you have to say the A. Yeah, Vivica A Fox. Vivica A Fox. I do to. think that that scene between her and Uma Thurman is a great classic Tarantino dialogue scene. The the conversation they have is, is very Tarantino. I, I want to say dialogue scene, but I'd say it's like a... Um... It's like a catch-up. You know, it they're, is they're a like Quentin Tarantino scene. Yeah. Like, it's got the, the comedy elements, but it's still action. It's got the sort of awkwardness that leads to... Yeah, the awkwardness that leads to comedy. Tarantino right? is really good at doing what I call let's have a catch-up as friends dialogue. And I think he does that with the opening scene with Vivica Fox. Um, yeah. So that's why it does feel a little bit Tarantino. But I do agree with you that the rest of the film, the rest of the dialogue between the characters... Um, it could have been written by somebody else for sure. Well, yeah, and, and I, I wouldn't think it's tell. In, I wouldn't say intentional, but like this movie, this is the reason why I'm kind of conflicted. Like, from what I expect from a Quentin Tarantino movie, it doesn't really have it. I think if he, if he had the reputation of gratuitous violence, I'm guessing this is the film that gave him that reputation. I think it is. Yeah. And... Well, we do see a little bit in Reservoir Dogs. It, it's not. It's not a thing that stands out so much that you're you're sort of thinking. Oh yeah, have you seen Reservoir Dogs? It's so gory. It's not. It's not that yeah, type of gory. Fair. It's more in the case of if you were to investigate goriness in his previous films, you can find it. You can find it in Pulp Fiction. You can find it in Reservoir Dogs. But I do agree with you that Kill Bill is when he just completely like, goes overboard. Yeah, he goes like off the rails, off the rails which I think yeah. again intentional. It feels like a like an homage to, to J- old Japanese. Yeah, samurai yeah, films, like Japanese yeah. slash samurai what's, films, the, what's that uh, classic samurai? What's that classic samurai film from the fifties? Um, from that famous uh, legendary Japanese filmmaker, I can't think of his name right now. It starts with H. Uh, let me have a quick Google on this. Um, or maybe I'll just Google a little bit later. But first and foremost, I actually want to do this. Open up. You know what it is. You know what time it is. Oh, you don't want to be a thing. It'll be a thing. Yeah, nice. And I'm so excited about this beer, by the way. So give us a name. What is it? Can you see it? Nope. Turn this way. Not really. Trailside. Trailside. An India pale. Well, the Trailside is the name of the beer itself. It's not the brewery. The brewery is Trillium. So if anybody knows much about craft beer, they know this logo right here is the Trillium logo. And Trillium is one of my favorite, probably my favorite uh, beer brewery in the world. And I've... (laughs) <laughs> I gave it that status for myself even before trying it because I was such a big fan of their posts. I was such a big fan of their videos. Um, their craftsmanship behind crop beer. And I so finally... You got sucked in by the media. Yeah, pretty much by the social media <clears throat> gods, albeit. But um, my local, which is not really my local by in terms of location, <laughs> but the local in terms of like where I buy my beer all the time, called um, Oak Barrel, they finally stocked it and they found, they told me that there's an importer bringing in Trillium beer and I was like, holy! I was shocked, so. Yeah, this is the second time I've had it and it's great, so cheers. Cheers to the listener, cheers to you. Japanese uh, director, were you talking about um, Kurosawa? Maybe. He's like the The famous famous, like samurai. samurai Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it's an homage to that, for sure. Yeah, look, 
I haven't seen Kurosawa in a long time. I remember I was a massive fan of, um, I think, Rashomon. I don't know that. It's probably one of my favorite movies. Weirdly enough, I'm very Seven uneducated Samurai. when it comes to Japanese films. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. So Seven Samurai is like one of the famous Oh, yeah, I know Seven um, Samurai. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't love Seven Samurai. Mm. I don't love it. Whereas I feel like, yeah, I think, I think it might be Rashomon or it could be something else. There's one that's like kind of, um, you know that Clint Eastwood movie, like Fistful of Dollars? No. It's a ripoff of a Kurosawa film. Oh. It's like the same plot, but one is a Western, one is a Samurai movie, but it's like largely the same plot. Mm. I think it's Rashomon. If it is, I love that movie. If it's not, then apologies. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, this like I was going to go into like how I feel about this, but l- let me just go through some of the facts here, right? So we got um, sure. um, this is like I said before, this is the fourth film of the of Quentin Tarantino, straight after um, Jackie Brown, which is about five years after. So he took a little bit of a quite a bit of a break because Jackie Brown was mm-hmm. was it ninety seven, I think it was, and this came out in two thousand and three. Um, I remember when this movie came out, it was a big deal. Like, people were, like, kind of getting I think it was because it was a Tarantino film, right? Like, these types of films are always labeled and marketed as the director, um, as the director's next film or, or a film by a so-and-so director. So, funnily enough, I feel like, like, Scorsese has this. Christopher Nolan. Um, yeah, Nolan kind of has this. Like, he really has really it. Get a lot of... <laughs> he really has it. Especially, like, I feel like it's much more universal now that with Oppenheimer, the the whole marketing campaign around Oppenheimer, watching yeah, it in like, a 70-mil like... film, and everyone's like, why do we, Nolan. yeah, why do we have to watch it in a 70-mil film? And it's you know like... what's funny? I never saw it. Oh, you um, haven't seen it yet? And it's too late now. It's too late now. I'm screwed. No, it's not. You can still see it. <laughs> no, I can watch it on a cin- like in, in my house, but I can't watch it on a 70-mil. You can, yeah. Red Cinema is still showing it. Still yeah. showing it. Oof. Okay, maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll you do should. that. Highly um, recommend. Oh, I'd love to actually hear your thoughts on um, Oppenheimer because it's a movie that is 99% dialogue. See, I think I'll, you know, I've got a friend who, um, you know, very into communism. He <laughs> wants me to watch Oppenheimer really badly. He's like, I want to discuss it with you. He's kind of like stopped asking, I think, because I just never got around to it. But, does this friend that yeah, is really into it. communism, does he live in Australia? Yeah. Why doesn't he just go live in North Korea or something? They have lots of communism oh, there. It's a, it's a, no, because that's not done the right way. It's just not done well. <laughs> Who has done it the right way? Well, so far, no one. <laughs> but, you know, you gotta, you gotta have hope that someone else will do it the right way. You can't just go to the worst version of it and go, well, you, it's a, it's a, it's a I'm not saying go to the worst version, like just thing. give me our version. Yeah, but if you, like, go to, like, it's like, I want to play football, and then you want to go to, like, Chelsea or something, just because, like, oh, it's a team, but they're bad. You want to go to That's football? a bad comparison, though, because <laughs> there are there are plenty of good cases of football, but there are no yeah, good okay. cases of communism. So far, no. We haven't gotten past the corruption. Yeah, but there's nothing to suggest hard. otherwise. <laughs> uh, in a perfect economic world, potentially, there's something there. I don't know what that means. Where, where humans are not in charge. It's all robots. Well, it's going to take know. over anyway. I, I, like, AI, AI is going to take over anyway. I'm waiting for my Terminator moment. You know, once we get Skynet. Oh, yeah. Is it Skynet? It's yeah, Skynet once yeah. Skynet takes over, I'm ready. 
Would you well, I'm actually not quite ready. I need, a, I, need a, I need to invest into some weapons. Maybe I need a... Would you be part of the resistance or would you, would you allow them to take over? Resistance. Really? <laughs> yeah. Look, if a sentient I... like being with knowledge of all of history decides that we're not to be kept around, who are we to argue? Dude, if John Connor can do it, I can do it. It's not about can or... I'm saying should. I, I value human life, so... I'm not uh, like you, okay. where, we, where you hate humans. So. <laughs> I don't hate all humans. I'm just saying, like, no one ever thinks about it from Skynet's point of view. You can't like, hide them, man. Hate, like, everyone on this podcast listens that listens knows that you hate humans. So, <laughs> Has that been a comment that's come through? Like, hey, does this guy secretly hate humans? Yeah. Well, it's not a secret. So. <laughs> it's out of the bag. Um, anyway. So with a running time of 2 hours and 35 minutes, this had a budget. This is another classic Tarantino um I was going to think of a basketball analogy. Swish or, I don't know, three-pointer? This is another Tarantino three-pointer. Budget of $30 million, and he made $180.8 million at the box office. Pretty crazy. See, I'm not sure if there's like a sports analogy for that one. In basketball, I don't know, three-pointer? That's a three-pointer, isn't it? He's like the Detroit Pistons. I don't know what that means. They won a title with no superstars. All right. Nobody knows what that means either, so no one cares. Come on, 04. <laughs> it's a great year. Uh, in terms of basketball, I think and people people that don't know basketball like myself only know about the '96 um, Bulls team. <laughs> Damn. Um, released on 10th of October 2003, this is currently sitting at a Rotten Tomatoes score, 88% by the critics, 81% by the audience. So again, fourth fourth film for Tarantino. Critics and audience aligned. Very, very high scores. Do you agree with these high scores? Um, look, this is a case of... The thing with Rotten Tomatoes is like, how many people think it's good? I would genuinely... I, that's the thing I, I find it odd. Like, It's hard to fail that metric, and I'm genuinely surprised that there are 12% of people out there who think this movie is not good. Mm. Like, it's... it's below average that seems odd to mm-hmm. me or like 19 percent of audiences think it's not good um but yeah like that, and when you think about this metric like that it's hard to argue do i think like it's an 88 out of 100 no where would you sort of pull it? ballpark 60s i was gonna see if you're gonna cave there uh starring uma thurman playing the bride david carrigan Car- Carrigan, David, David Carradine. Carrigan's a CSGO player. <laughs> oh, is he? I thought we were talking about like, um, the Broncos player, Patrick Carrigan. I don't know who that is, but... Um, Man, for someone who plays so much uh, football, you don't care about any other sports, eh? Golf. Oh, that's right, that's right. <laughs> NRL, man, Australia's sport, the greatest game of that's all. Enough. I guess I'm just missing out. Um, David Carradine, who we never see his face, but apparently in Volume 2, which I haven't seen, by the way. I haven't seen Volume 2. Apparently in Volume 2, I haven't seen volume two ever, yeah, no. you see his face on it, which I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if you... It'd be pretty disappointing if you never see his face throughout both movies. That's for him, right? Because he wouldn't get the uh, on-screen... Yeah, thing. and by the way, like David Carradine, like he was the guy that was famous for the movie Kung Fu, wasn't he? Is that why he was cast in this? I have no idea. No, but that would that would check out. Mm. This seems like a love letter to um, old kung fu movies. Mm. So yeah, like that's that's cool if that's yeah. true. So he plays Bill, so the guy that needs to be killed. 
Um, Daryl yeah. Hannah plays Al Driver. I like Daryl Hannah, by the way. Did you like her as an actress? Uh, I don't know anything else she's done. Like, I, I probably do, but it just doesn't. She did this well. crazy movie done. where she plays like a giant. Um, I can't remember the name of the movie. Let me let me look it up real quick. Um, Daryl Hannah, like. She was in Splash, Steel Magnolia. She was in Blade Runner. Steel Street. Magnolia. Like, these are big movies, yeah. and I don't recall her at all. So maybe <laughs> I'm just a terrible person. Um, Attack of the 54. Yes, Man, that's the one. one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's a crazy movie, by the way. Kind of scary. Is that actually really cool? Um, oh, okay. Yeah, kind of cool. I, I don't know. I saw it when I was a kid, so maybe that's why I was a little bit scared seeing this, like, huge, like, mon- like you know, we're talking Godzilla size woman. Yeah, 50 feet. Yeah. That's just massive. walking around the city. She was in Kung Fu Killer 2008. Oh. And is that starring who I... Oh, it's got David Carradine. Oh, there you go. So maybe there's like a massive wow. homage to this kind of stuff, getting these actors that have played some roles. This movie was 08. Oh, okay. So they got typecast, maybe. <laughs> it's a two-part miniseries that aired on Spike TV. Interesting. Um, Michael Madsen, back again. This is... He's... Pretty much been in every single Tarantino film so far, right? Yeah, Tarantino loves him. Mm, yeah. yeah, he was in Reservoir Dogs, he was in Pulp Fiction. And no, he wasn't in Jackie Brown, though. Was he in Jackie Brown? No, he was. I think he... No, he's no. Not. I don't know, I forget. Anyway, he's always in uh, Tarantino films. Um, Lucy Liu. Yeah, they wanted him for Pulp Fiction, but he couldn't, right? So the fact that he's not in Pulp Fiction is just a scheduling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Um... We've got Lucy Liu, a.k.a. Um, yeah. Charlie's Angels. <laughs> yeah. Vivica A. Fox, Julie Dreyfus, uh, Chiaki Kuriyama, uh, Shinchi Chiba, Shia Hulu. I'm butchering these names, by the way. Apologies. Uh, Michael Parks and Michael Bowen. So a very, very quick snapshot of the uh, synopsis. A former assassin known simply as The Bride played by Uma Thurman, wakes from a coma four years after her jealous, ex Bill, uh, je- jealous ex-lover Bill, played by David Carradine, attempts to murder her uh, on her own wedding day. Fueled by an insatiable desire for revenge, she vows to get even with every person who contributed to the loss of her unborn child, her entire wedding party, and four years of her life. After devising a hit list, the hit list known as the list what is it called again? The Death, Death, Death Deathless List Five. five or yeah, like Deathless Five. The bride sets off her quest, enduring unspeakable injury and ins- <laughs> unscru- what? unscrupulous. What? <laughs> Who even says unscrupulous? You know what I mean? Hey, there's a lot of weird words in this movie. But one thing that's interesting, you, I didn't get from this film that Bill was a jealous. I didn't know that either. Is that a spoiler for Volume yeah. Two? Maybe. <laughs> It must be. Because I had no idea. Yeah, I had no idea it was an expelling. It's interesting where, like, I don't know the purpose for her getting murdered in this entire movie. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. um, This movie kind of gives me John Wick vibes. You know, you don't necessarily know why John Wick is doing certain things. I mean, like, I guess he is. Well, John. I think John Wick's somewhat clear. Well, I mean, his (laughs) only reason to, like,. Um, to go on the killing spree that he does is because they kill his dog, but but yeah. that's all you know. I mean, that's a that's a bit thin, paper thin, and it, especially when you look at this kind of movie, like 
we don't really get an explanation why she's going out to kill them other than the fact that she's getting revenge on her own life, which seems more of a better reason compared to John Wick and the dog. Well, the thing is, with John Wick, like, I feel like they, in the very small amount of time you know him, like, you get a pretty good understanding of, one, he loves his wife enough to give up on his entire career, two, the dog is from the wife, and three, uh, the son of the mob boss killed the dog just because he's like a bastard, mm. right? And so that, to me, makes sense. Whereas in Kill Bill, her going for revenge on those people for attempting to kill her on her wedding day, perfect sense. I yeah. get that. Why did Bill want to kill the yeah. bride? That part I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's because he's a jealous ex-lover, then sure. But in the movie does not yeah. say that at all. But then also it requires one to inquire about why were you a jealous ex-lover anyway? So, um, yeah, like all of that is not really explored. No. So like I went through the entire film not knowing why she got killed. And, and perhaps it's not important to me. It kind of is. I mean, I would agree with you as well. Like, to me, it's kind of important because I think that's why I feel kind of empty watching it because I'm just watching Uma Thurman just slashing and slicing and dicing. And it's, I mean, it's it, it can be entertaining to a certain degree, but I honestly just tuned out. <laughs> so you didn't enjoy this. Hmm. But actually, we're, we're ducking into, you know, talking points and highlights and lowlights, first impressions here. What do yeah. you got? Okay, should I go first? Like, one of my first impressions? Yeah, jump in. You're already talking about Okay, it. well, um, I, I didn't have fun. I feel like I needed to have fun. Like, what we're, what we're seeing on screen, with Uma Thurman just going through all these different scenarios, um, and non-linear, by the way. You know, again, classic Tarantino style, very non-linear. Um, yeah, I mean, it is non-linear, but not in a way that adds any value, in my opinion. That's that's true. <laughs> it's it's kind of yeah. non just mixing up the order of two people. Uh, like it was just that... pointless actually like, it, because it, there was no real it, suspense driven by that non-linear aspect. Yeah, like there's there's no cool like oh wow type of moment like the same as in pulp mm. fiction, um, or like where you learn things. The only thing you learn about her killing Vivica Ray Fox second is that she must be. Um, Lucy Liu, yep. and that actually took me out of it. Took me out of that final fight. Like knowing that she succeeds mm-hmm. made made it made the stakes lower, yep. Yep. and added no value mm-hmm. to me. Like it, it actively took away. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, no. Well, that, yeah. well, that's a good point because even when we see her die in the beginning of the film, but she doesn't die. They mm-hmm. somehow unexplained somehow revive her, and she's got a metal plate now in her head. Um, yeah. There's a lot of that jumping around, but it's just kind of nonsense. It's kind of just Tarantino going, oh, well, I can change up the order to make it maybe a little bit more interesting. But I just think, it, if anything, it makes the movie a bit more confusing. I don't think the movie is confusing, but yeah. I can understand why people would be confused about what's going on because of the randomness of sequences going four years yeah. later and then two hours later. Or what was another one? Um uh, seven hours later, or was it seven hours? You know, when she's... Oh, 13 hours. The 13 hours later. The 13 hours later is just a funny little joke, I think, mm. um, where she's just trying to sort of make her feet yeah. move. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but no, like, I see what you're saying. Like, you have the fight with Vivica Ray Fox, then you have her four years ago get shot in the head, so you know she survives, mm-hmm. and then you know that she's already killed um, Lucy Liu. So I just feel like 
every time he goes non-linear, he just reduces things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And makes things less exciting. Yeah, and he just kind of slows down the pace for that. Because yeah. a movie like this requires some very injected suspense. I just didn't feel any suspense whatsoever. Um, yeah. I just felt like we... We go through one chapter, we finish that, and then the energy has to pick back up again and then sort of drop back down again and then come back to it. And and you expect you, – you know what you're going to get because you know that the whole premise or the plot is just about her killing all the assassins. So you just go from one, one killing to another. Um, so I think that's why I felt pretty empty watching it and I feel like I should have enjoyed it a lot more than I – should have because there's a lot of like fireworks going on, but the fireworks look very mm. ugly <laughs> and un- the fireworks look very uninteresting. Not ugly, uninteresting. You know, they're, they're, it's just kind of like sparkles. Um, yeah, right. So you, you, you're saying like it's a lot of like visually interesting things, but you're not, you're not, you're not I'm just not, yeah, I'm not wrapped, you know. Mm. Um, you, you know, you know this, one of the scenes that really bothered me too, which was the end sequence between her and Lucy Liu? Yeah. <laughs> he plays a whole song where they're just doing a standoff. When? In the, in the snow, snow era. era. Just, you know, before they duel, they just have yeah. a standoff and he plays an entire there song. Is, <laughs> there is quite a lot of, like, songs, action songs, just playing in the background of things. Yeah, but and- they did, like in this one, they just stand there looking at each other and it's the whole song. And I'm like... I didn't even recall that. I'm, I was like, shit, I need to fast forward this. <laughs> really? I didn't did do, do it. it. I just kind of, I tuned yeah. out and I just went on my phone. I was like, this is, this is rubbish. Wow. I don't want to watch. Kind of the wrong, wrong women to do it. It's like the last scene of the film and um, mm. you kind of know that it's going to be the last scene as well because you've already spent all this time uh, getting to a certain place and you know that it's going to continue in volume two. So you kind of know it's the last sequence. You know, it's like the final boss of that film. And oh, I was just kind of like, and then like the the fight wasn't even that great. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, none of none of the fights are that yeah. great. Like, I don't even think this fight yeah. against the, was it called the Crazy 88 or whatever they're called? Um, yeah. I don't even think those fights were just, kind of boring as well like they weren't very interesting the only interesting fight to me the most entertaining thing about the movie is the opening scene with her and vivica a fox because that feels like a rumble in the jungle that feels like rugged as heck you know they're in an environment where they're this obviously it's a home so it restricts their ability to do certain things but it creates chaos but interesting chaos you know they're falling all over the furniture they're like cutting each other up and they're just finding all sorts of objects around that environment in order for them to just kill each other. That that was interesting. But then when we get to the samurai, well, not the samurai scene, but the uh, dojo, whatever that place is, it's just swords and cutting limbs. And it yeah. just got so yeah. tiring after the first, after, after like the third guy, I was like, I think he's just going to indulge in this limb cutting the entire time. And I was right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I don't know. It's just it's just a very empty film for me. And like when it comes to performances, Uma Thurman, like she's fine. Like it's whatever. It's not. I don't. I don't. Be- I, I'm not an actor, but I don't believe it's that hard to play the character that she's playing. I don't think it's. There's not a lot of layers to her character. It's really just like someone who seems. She seems like she had a nice past life. You know, she seemed like she 
Um, she was nice to animals. I don't know. <laughs> and then I feel like she was reading lines a lot, man. Like right. I don't know if it's just me, but like the every, like, I, I haven't watched a lot of Uma Thurman films. Maybe I should actually go out of my way to do so. But like when I see her in um, Tarantino films, it feels like she's just reading lines a lot of the time. Like this one and the character in Pulp Fiction. She's just saying stuff, and it doesn't feel at all um, believable coming out of her mouth. And I, I don't know if that's like just me or anything like that, but it just feels not great. Oh yeah, um, you know, funny you say that because like I think about Batman Robin. She played Poison Ivy in that, and she's very mm-hmm. much reading lines from a script. Right. Mm. Okay. So maybe it's just, that's just her because like I, I noticed it in Pulp Fiction, I hated it there. In this movie. Like, it's kind of funny because, like... Okay, so I'll just jump into my thoughts. Yeah, go for it. Um, Like, this this movie to me is... What what am I trying to say? Like, it's enjoyable to an extent. I don't love it. Um, It feels like a throwback to, like, 1970s kung fu flicks. And sometimes you look at, like, some of the dialogue and it's, like, kind of wooden and kind of crappy. And then you think, well, is that kind of part of the charm? Like, is that kind of what he was going for and so do i judge it on my enjoyment of it or do i judge it on what i think it's trying to achieve because i actually do think it's doing quite a good job at what it's trying to achieve but also in 2003 slash 2023 um it's not very good that dialogue and so yeah just talking about like sort of uma thurman and a lot of the dialogue that she has like for example the dialogue she has with sunny chiba in uh who is hattori hanzo in that japanese den like it's probably the closest that we get to um, like that classic sort of Tarantino dialogue between like the Japanese guy and his underling talking about like who gets the sake and who doesn't them getting mad at each other. But the dialogue between Uma Thurman and that guy. That's very scripted uh, actually. Like the, like what, when you, what you're saying before, it reminded me of that scene where she's just sitting on the bar. She's like next line. And you say something. Now I'll say something. Exactly. Domo. Ha ha ha. I don't know Japanese. Konnichiwa. Oh, it's Konnichiwa. I was like, oh shit. It's such an awful scene. I don't know who to blame for it, but it is blame kind of like... I mean, Tarantino is pretty much the master of all of his films. He's in full control. That's why That's why everyone kind of identifies his films and, you know, people identify Christopher Nolan films because these guys, as much of uh, a craftsman and a master of their craft they are, they are super micromanagers. But, but I can, but I can right. imagine, like, the... You know, the... the like you hear some very, very positive stories of people working, like crew working with these types of directors and they love it. They said it's fun yeah. and it's enjoyable, but they do say that they're big micromanagers. And I mean, that's how you get the result of the kind of films that they make, right? That's true. I mean, like there's a vision there and he's achieving it, right? But like, yeah. Um, so I guess like my overall view is, I think it's like an homage to Kung Fu films. I love Kung Fu films. Um, so I do excuse a lot of like the bad dialogue, the pretty shaky story, all of that kind of stuff, because I think it's like kind of what he was going for. But you kind of hit the nail on the head in the sense that like it is an homage to an action film. It's an homage to a Kung Fu film, but the action is not very good. Like there is very often um, the combat is like, pretty crappy to the point where i really wish they used stunt doubles like a lot because i have a feeling it's like 
Uma Thurman and Lucy Liu doing these actions, right? Because there's no reason for them to be so shitty. And and I don't understand why they wouldn't just, like, get martial artists and put wigs on there and make them look like Uma Thurman so they can actually do cool stuff on screen. Because, like, these movies from the 1970s had pretty cool action sequences. Like, you watch, like, a Jackie Chan, uh, The Eagle and snake movie whatever like that's from a really long time ago the combat inside is fantastic this is like a lot of gore a lot of over-the-topness but the movements they're very amateur and it's just not very entertaining to watch and so if you're watching an homage of these movies the action needs to be good and the action isn't very good in this one thing i do want to point out though is i found the anime sequence really enjoyable like it's a really tight storyline it's well drawn. I learn a lot about that character. You seem to disagree with this based on your Facebook <laughs> but <laughs> I just thought it was like well done to explain this character because no one else gets this level of explanation. No one else gets this level of backstory. Like Lucy Liu's character, Oren Ishii, is the only one that actually has a fully developed character in the entire film. And it's due to this anime sequence. But what are your thoughts on it? Okay, first of all, I'm not a fan of anime. <laughs> so that's that that'll have a massive impact on how I my enjoyability of such things being interjected into films. I wasn't expecting to see anime in this and when an anime feature came up, you know, when she the first shot we see is Lucy Liu and then it gets framed out by another character that's an anime character and then another anime character pops mm-hmm. up. I didn't. I, I thought it was just going to be pictures. I didn't realize it was going to turn into like a whole miniature film. Yeah, me neither. And I was like, oh, I might just go on my phone out. <laughs> oh, really? Because like for me, like yeah, don't get me wrong. Like, I didn't expect an anime sequence in a film, and I'm not sitting there going, "Whoa, yay, anime sequences!" But um, if you look back in it and and watch it, I feel like the anime sequence is actually like one of the few times where someone just gets a complete arc. No, I, I don't. I don't have issues with that. Like, um, yeah, like it, it's one of the few things. Like everywhere else, it's like very shallow. Um, there's not really much to the reasoning for anything that anyone's doing. Whereas in that one, it's like, look, very gory. Father died. Mother died. Getting revenge. Here's how she gets revenge. Now she's super powerful. No. Like it's just, yeah. Clean. It, it makes <laughs> it makes sense from a character yeah. perspective or from a character point of view. Yeah. But I didn't care. Like yeah. I, I didn't care about it. I think I know what you mean. Like, if they would just did it with actors and actresses, it wouldn't be worse, and you would have liked mm. it more. Like, the plot can be the same, the narration can mm. be the same. It can just be yeah. acted, right? But it it, it seems um, it just yeah. seems odd to me. Like, the reason why I don't care so much about that character development because well, there's too many there's too many questions that get unanswered. Which is why are we getting development from this character? What makes her so special that we need to learn more about her background in her, in order for her to be the character that we learn about, like why? Um, maybe we get told the reasons for it later in the film. Maybe she plays like a higher position that has a lot to do with like planning the death of the bride, right? Maybe, I don't know. But like I, at this point, I just didn't care about why I'm learning about her she's development. Like, she's the main antagonist, right, in this particular film. So I don't see why you'd question why she's getting backstory. I didn't get that she was the main antagonist, though, because she's just another assassin in amongst all the assassins. What are they called? The it's a cool name, by the way. 
the deadly, deadly assassin yeah. or whatever. Like, that's a cool really name, yeah, because it's cheesy and it's stupid, but it's cool. <laughs> it's super cheesy. Um, it's, yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, if that's your rationale for a cool name. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> but yeah, no, look, it's, yeah, I think it's one of those things, again, homage to those movies of mm. that era. Like, that's the kind of name you would see yeah. there. Um, I'm not sort of getting to a point in my mind where, like, I quest. Like, I'm just happy someone's getting back. Sorry, yeah. I'm not gonna try. To be but but it's just like the rest of the the rest of the movie is paper thin compared to what we learn about her, and so it it just exactly. seems completely imbalanced. And I don't really see it as as a compliment to enhancing the movie. I just think it makes the movie worse because you haven't put that much effort into the rest of the film. It's like you have this overly. It's almost like seeing. It's almost like baking a cake. And then you make the middle like super moist and perfect, and then the outside's undercooked and just terrible. And then as a whole, the experience is awful. <laughs> yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I, I would just, I guess I'm thankful that the middle is moist. <laughs> <laughs> I can be grateful for it. Like, I acknowledge that the character is, is fleshed out, no pun intended. Um, yeah. But I just don't care. Like, you know, you know, when you watch films and. Part of my enjoyment of watching films is that I want to connect with the characters very strongly. Mm. I don't connect with Uma Thurman's character. I don't connect with even the antagonist, which sounds like a weird thing, but um, you can connect with bad people or evil people or, like, you can, yeah. right? You can like, sympathize for with sure. them. Or, like, I guess with Thanos. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we all connected with yeah. Thanos. He was just a very, very... I still believe he did nothing wrong. He, yeah, because <laughs> we know you hate humans. Um, just half of yeah, them. Yeah, just half of them, which... Which yeah, is probably right, kind of right. Yeah, there's a lot of people that I'd rather not have on this. No. <laughs> yeah, like, it's not about that. It's like, I'm just saying, like, you know. It's um, literally about that. You can't hide that. You can't sugarcoat it. No, like, he's just trying to achieve it's, it's the most effective outcome to what he's trying to do. He's trying to conserve resources from over exploitation. Mm-hmm. To do that, you re- you reduce the amount of mouths to feed. Definitely a lot of people that shouldn't be on this planet, for sure. I agree with no, you. No, I agree with you. Random Anyway, but no, I do resonate with antagonists, and I just appreciate that at least someone got backstory because oh. Bill doesn't. Bill doesn't Ryan yet. Doesn't. Uh, you know, because there's that's a different film, though. You can't. I mean, I know, but but this is, this has been the whole discussion around whether Kill Bill Volume One and Two are two separate films or whether they're one. Like just watching the first yeah. one because I haven't seen these films before. Just watching the first one, I'm kind of like, yeah, this is straight up like cut in half. Like, this is definitely, yeah. Really? Like, they end um, mid-sentence almost, pretty much. At the end. I don't recall that. I actually was watching it, and the sad thing is, like, I don't remember what I, like, I remember thinking, oh, no, it ends had a pretty, like, normal. No way. It's, like, completely unfinished. Uh, like, one, uh, of the, okay. one, of, one of the last lines he says is, like, um, something along the lines of, um, Oh, do you know? Do you know that the like, that she, she knows, knows her, baby. her baby? Yeah, that's a great. Like, does she know that her kid is? Does alive? she know that her kid's alive? Yeah. And then, boom! Like that felt like an ending to me. That felt. Well, like, it's, a, it's, it's a cliffhanger <laughs> ending. It's a cliffhanger. It's an ending, ending by like, virtue of the film ending. <laughs> yeah, but it's like it's a pretty. It, it's like assuming. Let's say, for example, um. I, I don't know how the best way to put this. I feel like it's like one of those things that's like, oh, and then the movie yeah. ends. Like that's kind of like a. But I think I I, I, just, I just think the movie is so unsatisfying with uh, because of that. Be, 
um, for that reason because there's just more questions than answers in this film. Yeah, for sure. Like, I feel like you don't know anything about Bill. You don't know anything about the bride. You don't know anything about... Like, you only know about um, Oren Ishii, and she's dead by the end of it. So all of that, like, it doesn't lead to anything. And, and not everything has to, but it's not that satisfying on its own. Like, I feel like what Quentin Tarantino was trying to do was, like, she's the main antagonist. You're going to learn a lot about her so that, like, her dying um, has weight. But she doesn't... You don't learn that much about her either. You just learn that this is how she's powerful. Mm. And yeah, she's really mm. powerful. Like that's kind of all you learn yeah. about her. So even that is is kind of unsatisfying. I guess. See, like there's a couple of ways that I can look at this. One is that I can look at it as a piece of pure entertainment, fun, hubris, vibrant, mm. and like guilty pleasure fun, right? Second way I can look at it is that it's a film that I can connect with characters. I can care about the characters. I can care. Yeah. I can care about the relationships those characters are building, the um, the journey that that character would go through, and where that character would end up at the end compared to the beginning, right? Yeah. But no, nah, these <laughs> this film had not, none of those. Well, I mean, like, the thing that's interesting is that, like, you can say it's a visually quite like striking film. Right, like there are a lot of well, yeah, objectively, yeah. Film. There's a lot of visual stuff that happens. It's just not very exciting visuals. When, when I when I when yeah. I think about his other films that I think have impactful visuals and are gory as heck, but make sense for the context that it's in, is Inglorious Bastards. It's like there are okay. some super gory scenes in that. You know, the gun shootout in the basement, like that's massively gory. But it, but I there was a really really good gory. build up in that tension. Like super, super yeah. well choreographed and well directed. Um, the tension building and the suspense of the movie is untapped compared to his other ones. But um, that's just an example of like how something can be entertaining with um, justified gore and splatter or whatever. A lot of people say that this movie is a, a splatter or a slasher film, which I guess it is. Yeah. The slasher films are typically horror genre. Um, I guess you could call it a splatter film, but even as a splatter film, um, I'm I'm not I'm not having fun with it. Where am I going wrong with no, this? <laughs> yeah, I mean, look. To be honest, like I watched this movie and I really wanted to love it, and I was kind of justifying to myself, like, oh yeah, it's an homage to these old things, and like these old things in a certain way, but it's just not particularly good at being that either, just because of the fact that like the action is so visually uninteresting. I think he does a lot of really cool camera shots like there are a couple like where she's fighting the crazy 88 and like the lights turn off and it's all mm. blue like that's cool and then they start doing action and it gets really boring and then there's a scene right at the end where um her and lucy lou are sort of like face to face and it's like shot from quite far away with this sort of water thing in mm. the foreground yeah and i think that's also a really visually yeah. interesting shot but they're just standing there looking yeah. at each other. And like, so there are these like sort of really long um, shots that evoke those memories of those Kung Fu films. Like when she's like holding the sword or when she's like getting the sword from Atari Hanzo and he's got like doing all these like sort of um, traditional mm-hmm. movements. But like, yeah, there's a sort of point where you sort of have to like buy into the fact that this is an homage to a certain type of film and like it's a certain way because in a vacuum, it's not very mm. 
But then again, everyone loved this movie, so maybe we're wrong. If his, if Tarantino's intention was to just to pay homage to all those types of films, then maybe audiences that have never seen this film need to be prepped with that idea, that expectation, because then they'll probably. I don't know. Like I haven't, I haven't read it. But I mean, like it it could make sense, or like even if it's not, uh, even if that statement isn't true, you could just tell somebody, "Hey, look at this film as an homage to X number of films," and then they might enjoy it. Because if you don't look at this as an homage to classic kung fu films, I would say I think it's a bad film. But man, like this is not Drunken Master. This is not Young Master. This is not like, um, uh. Fearless Hyena Part Two, like you know, like th- those are great kung fu movies. They're enjoyable. They have good story, yeah. great good characters. This is—I uh, don't know what this is. Drunken Master has a pretty bad story, doesn't it? Like to be honest, yeah, it's not great. It's just this like kid that knows drunken boxing, and then no, like his father dies. Drunken Master. Oh, I'm talking about Drunken Master too. No, Drunken Master has like a like a, it's like the, the whole purpose behind his character going through drunken boxing and learning drunken boxing was because like he had a death in the family or someone someone killed him. I'm, I'm talking about Drunken Master too. The one with Jackie Chan in it. Well, Jackie Chan's in both. <laughs> uh, but he's got a dad in number two. Oh well, I don't know. His like it, I, know, I know there was like the whole story is like a revenge story. Um. Maybe like his master or something died, uh, something along those lines. So this is really quite interesting, right? So Yuan Wu Ping is the director of like some magnificent. Yeah, he's one of the most um, legendary Hong Kong directors. Yeah, Tai Chi Master, Iron Monkey. Yeah, Iron Monkey's dope. Have you seen Iron Monkey? Like, that is, oh, yeah, no, I've oh, a lot of these. Iron Monkey's right? dope. I love that but, movie. Yeah, it's a great movie. But he does Kill Bill Volume One and Two. Huh. He's the martial arts. I remember looking at the name as the credits rolled up, mm. going, "Oh, that's that's cool, that's cool." And so to hear this result, it was pretty bad. Like, and that doesn't make any sense, film, right? The action, yeah, the action is really amateur. Like, I but it's like but said, it's not accidentally amateur. He's like Tarantino's clearly intending it to be that way. Like, he's not that. Like, he's a, he's a smart enough guy to get the kind of choreography he wants. Like, if he wants like drunken master type choreography he'll get it right like he's not that clueless <laughs> i have a feeling he wanted uma thurman and Lucy to do the, to do the right, right and that's all he could get from them maybe yeah because like you know they're not martial artists and, and no one expects them to be but like it comes through on the screen well you, you expect <laughs> them to be that if that's the character that they're playing yeah absolutely we don't expect yeah, the real yeah, actors I, to be that, no. But um, we expect the characters. If the characters have been written that way, then we expect them to have like amazing. Yeah. They would like badass, and they're only badass because like, she, like really, have you noticed that in this film, she just seems to have a better sword than everyone else. Like that just seems. Well, she, to remember, be she went through that whole like sword process as well. Yeah, yeah, she does, but like that shouldn't be her. Th- Thing, right, like <laughs> I, know, I guess it is. Then I don't do that. Yeah, sure, but I, I, I guess that's the whole—that's her shtick as a character. Um, yeah, she just keeps cutting through other people's mm. stuff. You know, it's actually kind of interesting. You're right. Like in that first scene, and maybe we should be like, maybe ugh, we're spending a lot of time in this intro thing. But oh, like, this is an in intro. <laughs> scene, right? Yeah, in in the first scene when she's fighting Vivica Ray Fox, like the combat is kind of amateur, but it feels gritty. It feels good. Like it's 
fun yeah to it's watch interesting that that's entertaining like it's the most rugged choreography in the entire film but it makes sense like it but the thing is in the later scenes like it's not rugged it's like much more cleaner but it just like the fact that she's not good at action comes through so much clearer whereas like that first scene I could have watched a whole movie of, of that. Yeah, man. Like, like because because that's what opens up the film. I'm expecting to see that, but then we get this like super obviously choreographed fight sequences with swords and like mace balls, and <laughs> uh, it's just. And, don't get me wrong. I love a kung fu action. Oh, I do, but like you know, kung fu movies are not like that. Kung fu movies are like dope choreography. Yeah. Like, the, the Star Wars kid ha- is doing cooler moves than anything Uma Thurman does. You know that, that kid in his basement? Like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, like yeah, for like, sure. It's, it's I could watch bad. any of those, those YouTube clips, like, any day of the week more than the Kill Bill sequences. Yeah. But anyway, uh, should we... <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, how, how deep are we in this? The plots. I mean, well, let's just jump into some... Some key moments for the plot. Yeah, something that let's just dive through, really like uh, what, what we think would be important to move the story forward. Even though that might be a monstrous of a task, but let's try nonetheless. So, Uma Thurman, like she's the 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 main place that we find her is that she's in a coma, right? Or she's just she's just no, about no, to you... be, be in a coma. She's in the hospital. I'm not starting right at the beginning, but it's kind of the beginning. Like oh. so she's in like the main state of where she is, in order for her to start her like vendetta, right? She's in yeah. Her state is she's in hospital. Um, she hasn't quite died yet. Um, she just been shot by Bill, right? Bill. She's got the metal plate in her head, but she's not aware of that at this point. We meet Al, who is known as the what's her name. Um, the rape guy? Or? No. Oh, L- no, Al L- Driver. Yeah, we meet Al Driver, who's yeah. probably the first assassin that we we meet, other than Vivica. It is the first assassin, right? Well, you see Vivica before this, right? Like the, the movie starts. Vivica with... and then uh, Al. No, the movie starts with um, the black and white scene where she dies, where Uma Thurman gets shot in the head. I feel like that was kind of cool mm-hmm. as a sequence. Like it was like a cool shock sequence where like she's talking and she's like, the baby's yours. And then like, she gets shot in the head. You see the blood come out and it's like, I don't know, some sort of credit sequence. That was kind of cool. And then she shows up to kill Vivica yep. Fox. Yep. And then we do a um, flashback and we get to her in the hospital. She's just straight out of that sequence that we see a little bit later, which is when she was a bride and she gets shot in the head. Um, and, uh, she wakes up, well, she doesn't wake up. Our driver's there, and this is kind of a little bit of a funny moment as well. The the phone yeah. call that she has with Bill, that's kind of funny, you know. That's good dialogue, yeah. actually, yeah, yeah. Because like, she comes in and she's, like, um, quite cool, and then she gets a phone call and like, I want you to abort. Yeah, she's like, what the fuck? And then like, she has, like, a bit of a human moment, uh, is what I call it, like, outside yeah, of the assassin like that. kind of... Um, and he explains like that would make her slow. And we don't want to be alone. She's like she deserves a bit of death and all that kind of stuff. Which there seems to be a coat of arms when it comes to the assassin community. Um, so that's kind of cool. And then um, she that we flash we flash forward flash forward or we go forward to four, four years after and she's still in the coma four years later. Um, yeah. And she wakes up. That's also a little bit of a funny thing, I guess, because I don't think people are in comas that long, are they? 
<laughs> I can't really comment on what is the standard length of a coma. I mean, four, four years is a long time for a coma, right? Like, surely you just call it by then. <laughs> so you, you don't want to speak about the Vivica Ray Fox scene? I think well, we have, lot, yeah, right? we have spoken a bit about it. We liked yeah. it. <laughs> we liked it. Uh, to me, it's like the best scene of the movie. Um, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, four years later, she's just about to get raped by the dude in the bed. Yeah, like presumably like a thousand times, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, throughout the time that she was in a coma. That's right, yeah. that's right. And that's a that's an odd thing. Like, why does Tarantino have this in the movie? <laughs> it's just so oh, weird. It's got nothing to do with the characters. It's got nothing to do with the story. It's just a random thing that he puts in there. No, I, I think, like, it gives her something to overcome almost straight away, and it makes you feel bad for her. Even no, I, I, I was like interpreting it like that as well, but I just don't yeah. think that really helped anything. Like, I, I, I don't think it made me learn more about the character um to think that she could overcome other situations because she's stumbling through these missions, right? So it's not like she's squeaky perfect. She's stumbling through them. Yeah, because her legs don't work, right? Like, no, 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 no. Like, like that, all that. the sequences where she's getting into the fights, she's stumbling through all of them. She's not like Jackie Chan or Jet Li. Yeah, I guess the implication is that, like, these are all the top of the top of the top, so she's not meant to have... Yeah, which time. proves my point even more. Like, why did we need to have that scene where... Where there's a guy been raping her so many times for oh, four years. So I didn't have an issue with this scene so much. One because you have the raping scene, which you know you might think it's like sort of gratuitous, but I feel like it's kind of on brand for Quentin Tarantino to have some sort of gratuitous grossness, and then seeing that person die makes you go, "Yay!" Like usually, usually he has a reason like, for it though. Like usually, it's 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 like contributing to the story. I don't, I can't think of any of his other movies. Where, where Ving Rhames is getting raped. Like, realistically, that's not really adding a whole lot, right? But it's just gratuitously yeah. uh, violent slash yeah. sexual just to kind of be shot. Mm-hmm. And I think this is sort of in that same vein. Mm-hmm. So whatever opinion you have about that scene, you'd probably have to share with yeah. this one. In my yeah, opinion. so there's, yeah, you're probably right. Like, there's shock value that's been added to that. But it's just, I just feel like with this one, it was just yeah. way more pointless compared to, like, what we see in Pulp Fiction. Um I would say they have equal <laughs> pointlessness. I, I, yeah, I feel like it added a little bit of... Like, so far, my characterization of the bride... One thing I did want to comment on, actually, before we just sort of jump ahead, I find it odd that she has no name. Well, the name gets blo- bleeped out, right? name quite often. Yeah, what's the point of scripting? Well, this is very much a Tarantino creative um, idea. It's like, he loves to do these yeah. types of things to hold with withhold information from the audience and then reveal it somewhere or another at some point. Yeah, but what does it mean? I don't know. Like, yeah, I mean, we're, we're probably going to learn a lot more in Volume 2 because people have said on record that Volume 2 is a much better film than Volume 1. Because why can't they just say Mamba, Mam- Mam- Mamba or whatever, you know? Like, there's a word for her. That they call her is, Black just, Mamba, yeah. Yeah, or just, you know, write the dialogue in a way that doesn't, you don't have to beep it out. It seems like odd. Like, it, it takes I think I think it makes it he's trying to send a message about this type of character being mysterious. You know, she has a mysterious background that we're probably going to learn a little bit later on. Yeah. But everyone else knows the name. Just, just not us. us. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, sorry, but like, yeah, just that scene. Um, I felt like it added a little bit to her characterization. Like she's gone through some tough times. She's a sympathetic character. And we're meant to feel bad mm-hmm. for it. And like, it, it did its job for me, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. And then when she's like very violent with, um, but mm-hmm. 
you're cheering for her rather than thinking she's being over the top. Yep. Yeah. Um, so she crawls out of the basement because her basement, she crawls out of the hospital because her legs aren't working. She gets to the car that we'd seen earlier in, in the Vivica A. Fox scene, which is called yep. Pussy Wagon. Pussy Wagon. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's a pretty like tricked out car for a guy who I think is like a nurse. Yeah. I mean, he's, He's killing it in the underground, like prostitution scene. <laughs> that is true. Seventy-five bucks for twenty minutes. That would that'll actually, add up, man. That guy will be that the be, richest yeah, nurse on the planet. Yeah, that is tax-free. You're right. That's cool. Yeah. Um, it was not cool, but <laughs> you'd fit in in the current hustle culture of 2023. Yeah. I mean, he's pimped out his car. He's even called. He's branded yeah. himself. He's got a whole brand with flames. Um, yeah. So she's in the car. She spends this, there's this whole scene of her doing this whole wiggle your toe, wiggle your toe. You know, we start sort of small steps in order for you to take to will the legs to move or something like that. Um, I did find it funny that she's like, move your wiggle toe, oh, wiggle your big toe, and then it's like 13 hours later, and then she yeah. can finally walk. Probably a little bit unrealistic. The fact that she just kept like talking as if she was narrating to an audience was a mm-hmm. little bit strange. You know, she's sitting there like, now let's get the party started. Yeah. Time to wiggle your big toe. And I'm like, who are you talking to? I mean, there's a lot of people that speak in the third person, you know, to try and... Yeah, it's like the inner, yeah. the inner voice to encourage and inspire them to do things. Does that make sense for, uh, like, a... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's <laughs> I was going to say, like, does that make sense An for, assassin. like, a very highly, yeah, rated assassin? Like, is she up there on the roof going, like... But then it would make sense, like, from what we learn about the assassins, because none of them are actually that great. (laughs) Well, I don't know if they're not that great. They're just not that great compared to her, right? Uh, I don't know. Like, again, like, Oren Ishii is the lord of all Yakuza in Japan. Like, you have to assume that she's pretty Yeah, but then when she fights, she's garbage. (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing that's kind of crappy, because, like, in visual she doesn't look very good but in universe she's meant to be powerful and then black mamba is exceptionally powerful by virtue of the fact that she yeah. beat her right like that's, that's, that's kind of tough like when you watch like an Ip Man movie you know that donnie yen's fantastic because he's doing cool shit and beating up a lot of people whereas black mamba does kill like 88 people mm-hmm. so that should level her up in this mm-hmm. universe it does it does yeah. um yeah, so she's doing the whole wigger big toe thing, which is it's very much a Tarantino thing. He's got this fetish for feet, so he's always got like oh, large, long shots of feet and feet, feet, feet everywhere. I mean, he even is that just in this film and or in, in general? general, and like a lot of his films, he does it. He doesn't do it in Glorious Bastards, though. He does it in Jackie Brown, mm-hmm. you know, with um, the pothead girl. Like um, when she's sitting down, there's a long, there's not a long shot, but a substantial shot where the camera is sitting at her feet and it's like looking at her wow. from her feet. Yeah. Wow, okay. So he has this fetish. He, he's on record oh. to say that he's, he's got a fetish for feet. <laughs> so at, at this point, right. Like, so we've seen her kill Vivica Ray Fox. She gets into the pussy wagon mm-hmm. car. I think at this point, the anime sequence shows up. Yeah. We get to chapter three, which I think is, yeah. Chapter three is the, yeah. uh, what's her name? Oshi Oren Ishii, Lucy Liu. Um, there's a whole kind of exposition done in the form of anime about her character and her mm-hmm. parents, which, you hate. which I just kind of fell asleep. I thought it was kind of cool. <laughs> like, 
One thing that I thought was actually very cool from a visual perspective was the fact that, like, when the mob boss kills her mm. mum, you see the blood soak the sheets and then the blood becomes, like, a rain. Yep. yep. That was cool to me, visually. And, like, it kind of... You're trying to paint um, Ishii as this, like, demonic kind of, like, crazy person. Mm. This has a good job of that. Yeah. Like, what would turn someone into something? And I think it also preps the audience for what is to come about with all this kind of blood and gore that we see, the splatter and gore that we see later in the yeah. series. At this, or to be fair, at this point, you've seen a fair bit of gore. Like, a guy's tongue gets ripped yeah, out. Yeah, that's right. Um, Uma Thurman's been shot in the head. Like, you've already seen, like, a fair Which amount actually, of that, that guy that rapes her, he's the dude from Waterboy, isn't he? Which one? There's only one water boy. <laughs> I mean, which, which the guy, guy that rapes her. It is sorry. Which which role in Waterboy? He's uh, like not Adam. No, Sandler. no, I can't remember the dude, but like he plays like the cross-eyed guy that's like really dumb. Oh, he's okay. like, and he talks like a doofus. I can't. Remember. Yeah, he's like. He's yeah, weirdly enough. I saw that. He's one recently. of the footballers. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. But I've seen it recently, and it was it was, was okay. it Waterboy. <laughs> I think it was Waterboy. Yeah. Anyway, cut off with him because when he popped up on the screen, I was like, "Hey, that's that dude from Waterboy." <laughs> oh wow! Okay. Have you seen that? No, recently, I just kind of remember him because he's like he's he plays a cross-eyed dude, and he's not all there, and yeah. Oh, so actually, just to go back to sort of a previous scene, what were your thoughts on the fact that like a Vivica Ray Fox like essentially betrayed, um. Uma Thurman, mm. like, she's like, we're going to have a knife fight, and you're going to come, and you're going to wear all black, and then she tries to yeah. shoot her with a gun. Like, what did you take away from that scene? Um, I actually like the fact that there's there's a substantial amount of learning that we that we have as an audience, you know, with these two characters having history. And I was so keen to explore more of that later. Like, if this was a character that didn't die in that particular scene it would have been fun to revisit that at some point of the film, whether it's the midpoint of the film, the end of the film, wherever. Um, I was excited to learn more about it because I think just the way they connect with each other was interesting enough for me to go, I want to learn more about the story. But um, Yeah, because the fact that like the, the, the child comes and they're like, they both like sort of look at each other and go, Okay, we're both agreeing to hide these knives. Yeah, it's cool. They, hide the knife they clearly have been best friends in the past, right? Like, I, I want to explore that yeah. story. <clears throat> the dialogue in that scene is actually, like, pretty mm. good, except for, like... Yeah, like, yeah, okay. But, okay. Just yeah, I think it's pretty good. Because I, I feel like it, it's interesting that, like... You, you see Vivica Ray Fox's character is like, I'm a different person now, I'm a different person now, you know, I feel bad for this. But actually, she's kind of the same person that she's willing to, like, cheat again. I mean, I, I don't think... She, when you have that kind of lifestyle, I don't think you're ever going to drop it, right? Like, I don't think you're going to cold turkey that yeah. lifestyle away. <clears throat> and you're going to have, you know, protective measures as well, right? Because I guess once you're an assassin, you can never not be an assassin being so deep in that world. So she's never going to hide the fact that she can kill people. She has no problem killing people. Um, yeah. That she has no problem with revenge. But she's clearly doing it in the best interest of her and her daughter as well. Um yeah, but the fact that she's like, when are you going to do this? How about tonight? Let's go to this field. And then she shoots it, yeah. tries to shoot it with a gun, yeah. right? Because like, she's, she's just trying to like measure the uh, circumstances, right? Okay. And um, yeah. like, why would you even wait that long? Maybe there's a mutual respect between the two characters because perhaps they were best friends at some point. But 
she doesn't want to take that risk at the same time. Like her daughter's around. It kind of like to me, it it showed that Vivica A. Fox really respects Uma Thurman. Like mm. I feel like a lot of the film is like you have this unnamed hero and Quentin Tarantino is just trying to show you, hey, she's a big deal. Hey, she's a big deal. Hey, she's a big deal. Like, just constantly. And again, it, it, it kind of falls flat when you see her at the end and she's kind of not doing anything that great. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, like the fact that Jennifer Ray Fox was trying, like, she's like, in that um, scene that you showed at the start of the podcast where it's like, you don't have to qualify that statement saying I'm the best with edge weapons. I know I'm the best. Like, she's very cocky, but at the same time, she does not want to risk having a one-on-one fight with mm. Uma Thurman. She wants to take yeah. her out now. So, like, there's sort of, like, subtext to a lot of the actions, but, again, even if you understand it, it's not that no. interesting. No. <laughs> and and it's it's not even... It's not even at a point where I'm interested in learning more about it. Apart from that scene with Vivica A. Fox, like, every other scene, I'm mm. like, uh, whatever. They're just kind of... These really hmm, paper thin is like like how just I like to describe it. Just paper thin scenes, and you know it works, it works for some yeah, people. Like, like I, I feel like this movie is very much targeted for the John Wick crowd because I'm not a big John, John Wick fan. Like I've seen that film and I'm like, yeah, that's cool. I'm not that excited to see number two, but everyone's like, you must see number two. You must see number three and four. I'm like, I don't know if I want to watch like three films of this type of stuff. Yeah, like. So, weirdly enough, I'm a pretty big fan of, of John Wick. And, like, like you know me. Like, I love The Equalizer, right? Like, a dumb action sequence where a guy gets, like, a bunch of revenge. I'm actually pretty into. Oh, you frozen. Oh, cool. Okay. <laughs> sorry. You're there. You froze. Like, you're just drinking like... Argh. But, sorry. Um, Yeah, like, a, a revenge movie with cool action I'm actually pretty into. So... Um, I didn't expect to dislike this movie. Yeah, I, I don't know where I was going with that. But, like, I don't find John Wick, like, that paper thin. Like, it, it, it's got depth where it needs to, and the action sequences are visually entertaining to watch. Whereas I think this one falls flat in that second um, thing that I just mentioned, where the action sequences are not very But, I, yeah, I'd rather watch John Wick any day of the week than watch Kill Bill, because John Wick actually has some good action sequences. <laughs> Yeah. Um, there's some very good choreography, and... man. And it looks very realistic and gratuitous. Like, um, this is just gore and not very well established um, choreography to get the gore. <laughs> so, I guess, like, this next scene is probably a really big, a big example of, like, how I guess I'm gonna say boring. I'm gonna say boring. Like, when she goes to Okinawa and has, like, a fairly long conversation with her Torianzo. Oh man, it is really boring. The conversation mm. it doesn't lead mm-hmm. anywhere. When he's like, when she says "hatori Hanzo," and he's like "ooh," and then they start talking Japanese. Like in those classic movies, this is a really cool moment, right? Where you find out she can speak mm. Japanese and she knows so much more than she's letting on. But it's not that cool, and I don't know why. Yeah, the reveal's so. Boring, man. Like when she actually reveals that she yeah. can talk Japanese and she's just been playing along on this whole this charade. The, the, yeah, like this previous conversation, like she's spending the entire time acting like just a dumb American, and he's weirdly very interested in the fact that she's a dumb American. Mm. And there's no reason for him to be that interested, except for the fact that she's his only customer. <laughs> and like, yeah, it feels so weird. And she's like, "I'm looking for Hatari Hanzo. I need." Um, 
I need to hunt rats. And he's like, what kind of rats do you need? Hattori Hanzo Blade. And she's like, huge rats. And then he just like takes her upstairs. Yeah, Yeah, the whole purpose of the scene, that was way longer than it needed to be. The whole purpose of it was just for her to look for a sword or to get a sword forged. That was the only purpose of the scene. It was way longer than it needed to be. and, And then she's like, I'm trying to... Um, hunt your That's student, right, yeah. and then he writes on the board, yeah. Bill. So not on the board, you know, on the like, window. I it's like, uh, oh yeah, the, the window uh, fog or whatever and, it is. And it's sort of like, yeah, that guy. Like you know, she <laughs> she didn't say his name. Like this, her Tori Hanzo is a very like easily uh, manipulated dude. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit useless. The scene. Um, let's jump quickly, like towards the end of the film, just because like we're running a little bit over time schedule here. <laughs> On a film that okay, sounds like it. we don't really like that much. <laughs> um, uh-huh. Bride tracks uh, Oren Ishii to a restaurant where she had amputates the arm of Oren's assistant Sophie Fatal. The bride defeats Oren's squad of elite fighters, the Crazy Eighty Eight, and kills Oren's bodyguard, the schoolgirl Gogo Yubari. Oren and Bride duel in the restaurant's Japanese garden. The bride kills Oren by slicing off the top of her head. It's like a scalp. Scalp slice. Yeah, she scalps her. So one thing I want to talk about this scene just before we move on. I think this is probably one of the more, again, interesting, visually interesting scenes because, like, a lot of techniques are used in this movie. Like, um, it goes black and white mm-hmm. for a portion. It goes sort of dark and... And like sort of blue light in, in a couple of scenes. Like there's just a lot of things that happen here. The fight with all of the characters are just like it's gory and it's kind of fun and camp, but it's boring it's a little bit. Not like, a little bit, it's just pretty boring. <laughs> she's cutting off arms, she's cutting off ankles, she's slicing people, and it's just like she's It's and it's like the same copy paste scenario for about it thirty like minutes. It lasts for 30 minutes. <laughs> Yeah, right? It, I think it, it is 30 minutes. Yeah, Pretty long. It's just not <laughs> great. And, like, she's fighting Gogo Yubari, and, like, that's, like, kind of like a sub-boss, right? And, again, nothing cool really happens. Like, just, she's just, like, getting hit a bunch of times, and then she picks up a table leg and, like, slams it into her head mm. and kills her. It's just sort of go for go take in, yeah. in some cases. Man, give me Ip Man and 10 Black Belts half oh. an hour any day of the week, right? Oh, man. You know when he, in, in Ip Man 1, when he's like fighting That's 10 literally guys? what I just said. <laughs> 10 yeah, Black okay. Belts. Right, 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 right. <laughs> That's a great oh, thing. awesome, right? Man. It is awesome. Oh, right. man, yeah. So I don't know if this is like, it's fair to compare the two, but like this doesn't. Yeah, but have come the on, depth. man! Like Tarantino could, like I know Uma Thurman could have done way better than just swinging her sword around like a mind, like a yeah. like like a headless chicken and just cutting limbs. Because uh, because this film is attempting to evoke memories of those films, I think. And if so, it's fair to compare the two because this film, if you're trying to compare it to like a storyline masterpiece, then it falls really mm. flat. Um, if you try and compare it to a Kung Fu film, it also falls kind of flat. It's like kind of bad yep. at both. And so I guess with that in mind, I don't really know why there is such positive sentiment to this film. <laughs> the bride tortures Sophie for information about the other uh, deadly vipers and leaves her alive as a threat. Bill finds Sophie and asks her if, if the bride knows that her own daughter 
is alive, which also yeah. which also is implying or not implying, but we get this hint at the beginning of the film that it's probably his daughter as well. Oh yeah, she, she said, said that. that. Yeah. And I think that's where that whole yeah. kind of like ex lover comes into play. But I totally forgot about that whole line when I was watching the rest of the movie. <laughs> uh, I mean, like I know that it's it's uh, his baby, but it's I guess it's not clear that like he's jealous. No, no. But I don't even think that matters anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's like yeah, doesn't matter. Um, um, yeah, that's yeah, that's Kill Bill Volume One. Hopefully, Volume Two is going to be a lot better, and then maybe we can see it as a one complete film. Volume one and two back to back. Um, mm-hmm. Your thoughts out of ten? Um, so, look, I rag on this film a lot. The more I talk about it, the more I dislike it. To be honest, which is kind of a sad thing, and it seems to happen to us a lot. Um, it makes us a bit negative. I will say out of ten, like maybe like a six point five to me um the reason for that is i think it's visually interesting there are a lot of cool shots um oh maybe it's a six like it it... i probably want to hear your thoughts i guess like i think (laughs) visually there's some cool things i like the anime sequence but like the anime sequence is kind of like finding positives in a thing i didn't really like Mm. very much which maybe i'm just trying to be kind like I find it odd to to rank this lower than Jackie Brown. And that's kind of stopping me a little bit. But a part of me wants to put it lower because as an action film, the action isn't entertaining. As a storyline film, the story isn't very good. At least Jackie Brown, like some of the dialogue was entertaining and the storyline was great. The heist was shitty, but, you know, who kind of mm-hmm. cares? Maybe it is like a 6. 5.5, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, for me, it's a four out of ten. Oh, four. Um, Shit. Um, all right. All right. Boring yeah, story. So you, you, you uninteresting characters. Um, very, very boring, flat action sequences. Apart from the opening scene, the opening scene is it's great, but it's not long enough for me to kind of forgive many parts you of the movie. Isn't crazy? Like, objectively, if we think about this, right? Like, the starting sequence is a good action scene for Kill mm. Bill. You see that kind of action sequence in Ip Man? It would oh, be yeah. awful. Like, for would be for a Kill Bill Even movie, in, yeah, for sure. It's great. In John Wick, that starting action sequence is garbage. Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and, and actually, let's, let's just be really clear about this, because, like, you know, comparing it to, like, the greatest Kung Fu movies is probably not fair, or, like, a movie made in 2018. But let, let's look at, like... An action sequence in like like Born Identity. Oh, I don't I don't I don't, I don't think that's fair to compare to Born Identity either though, because the hand to hand combat scenes in that are amazing. <laughs> yeah, but like that's kind of the thing, right? Like this is an action. Okay, well let's talk about. Are there any sort of kung fu movies that have shitty? Action? Yeah, there's quite a lot. What's yeah. the one where I mean, like the like ones in the seventies? There's quite a few of them. They're pretty bad. Um, by those like no name actors that weren't. If, like if these if these kung fu movies didn't have Jackie Chan, Jet Li, or Bruce Lee, they had no hope. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you had all these kind of like or Donnie yeah, Yen. Like you look at like a, a Sammo Hung or something. They, they've got some crazy action sequences, mm. but like like Bloodsport, that doesn't have those guys. It's got great combat. Yeah, 
And the story Yeah, is but they're not similar. really kung fu movies, <laughs> Bloodsport. That's an action film. Yeah, but, but great. Yeah, is it kung fu? No. It's boxing. What is kickboxing. It? I mean, there's kicking in that. What are you talking about? It's kickboxing, not kung fu. Okay, yeah, but it's like uh, <laughs> hand-to-hand combat in film. I don't know if like there's a genre of kickboxing film. Come on, man, you gotta be clear. You gotta be very clear on like what kung fu is versus what fighting is. <laughs> Wait, so you're saying that like Drunken Master is not officially a kung fu film? Drunken? No, I never said that. I said I was talking about Bloodsport. You said Bloodsport. Yeah, I know, but like you're saying that it has to be kung fu to be a kung fu film, and I'm saying like Tai Chi Master is not kung fu, but it's a kung fu film. It is Tai Chi's kung fu. <laughs> Wait, what? So you'd say that there is a different genre for Bloodsport? Yeah, Bloodsport's just another action film, or maybe even a sports film. I don't know. Like, like the same way that Creed is a boxing film. I would say, like, okay. So what about what was Game of Death to you? That's a kung fu movie. A, How a, is Game of Death a, that different to Bloodsport? A kung fu movie is yeah. a movie with kung fu in it. <laughs> Yeah, but like, I guess the the point I'm trying to make is there aren't enough kickboxing films to have that as its own genre. No, I, like, I'm not calling it a kickboxing film. I'm yeah, calling like, it an action film. But if it's a film that's centered around people doing hand-to-hand combat for like 70% of the film, and the storyline is about as deep as a kung fu film. I don't feel. Yeah, but then like every yeah, but then every film that has hand to hand combat in it would be a kung fu movie. It would have to be a lot of hand to hand combat, right? There's a lot like, of films. Has, yeah, but, like, but, born, born identity, born, born supremacy, born ultimatum. They have very little. No, are you kidding me? <laughs> Two hand-to-hand combat scenes. No, There's there scene isn't. He kills the dude with the pen, and the dude where he beats up all those guys in the um, I don't know the passport office or something, right? Most of the time he's shooting people. Or there is there's a car chase or something. No, there's a lot of hand to hand like like in Born Identity. There's about six hand to hand combat scenes. The first one being when he's on the park bench and he's fighting the police officers. The second one is when he's in the airport. Where not the airport, but like the train station, and he has a hand-to-hand combat scene there as well. Uh, this is like, I think even like the last five sequences, they're all hand-to-hand combat as well. Isn't the last one like a sniper scene where he's like shooting a guy and like running around in the bushes or something? Uh, can't recall. Yeah, I feel like look, one is like obviously a spy film. Born Identity is a spy film. I don't know. I, I stand pretty firm in that Blood Fortune qualifies a kung fu film. We should ask this to the listeners. A kung fu film is a movie with kung fu in it. I don't like, think it has period. to be. I think it has to be a film where hand-to-hand combat is just a very large part of like the plot. Like, like what about... like? Uh, no, nah, I think you just made up your own definition of kung fu films. What's the, the Tony Jaa films, like Ong Buck and all that stuff, where it's like Mai Tai? Well, right? like, the, the, the real genre that we should really be talking about is martial arts films, right? Like, cause, okay, let's say that. Because martial, martial arts films are all... They sit under the... Um, like, all the films that sit under the martial arts umbrella are films yeah. that are centered around a particular martial art. Would you say that Bloodsport falls under martial arts films? Yeah. I mean, I would also say that Creed probably falls under the martial arts film as well. I accept that. Okay, cool. Let's just change the terminology because like, I feel like like Ong Bak, for example, right? Some, some Mai Tai film, but I'm never going to say, ooh, that's a great Mai Tai film. 
I would call that a kung fu flick. Mm. Just because, like, to me, it's like a film that's centered around. But but even a like, lot of like, remember when you used to go to the DVD store, well, the video store, like, yeah, these sections weren't called kung fu movies; they were called martial arts sections. Sure, okay, yeah. I accept that. That's fine. So if you just go by that, then you know whatever. Then all those ones are martial. Then a lot of these things. Yeah, and I feel like Kill Bill has like the storyline of a martial arts film but it doesn't have the action of a a martial arts film and that is just a net negative so yeah like if you want to give this like a five or a four or something i wouldn't stand in the way of that yeah for me it's a four and for you it's a six right i dropped down (laughs) like it's just five out of ten i you know what's actually kind of interesting like i find it difficult to give this such a negative score when when so many people like it. But I really don't know what people see that I didn't see. Yeah, I'll be interested to hear like, what they have to say. I would be maybe Maybe interested. the listeners can let us know in the comment section when I post this up on Instagram. You can let us know what you think this movie Please deserves. Do. And like, maybe I give us a nice explanation like, on why you think it's yeah. good. I want to be wrong. Like, it's 88% on Rotten Tomatoes. I want to read some reviews. I haven't actually had a chance to do that yet. From, like, you know, The Guardian and Roger Ebert and all mm. that kind of stuff. I want to know what people think. If it's like a visually like, whoa, it's so over the top and cool. And it's like, is it though? (laughs) Like, yeah, there's a lot of blood spurting around and like, yeah. it's just One thing for sure is I think we're completely justified in our rating because of what we spoke about. I mean, yeah, I mean, we've, we've given it a lot of thought. It sounds like, so Mm -hmm. I stand by it. Yeah. There we go. All right. Well, uh, Thanks for chiming in again. Fourth film, Tarantino. The next one is, guess what it is? You might be excited for it. Kimbo Volume 2. You know what? I... You know how you're... There's a film, what's it called? Like Kill House or Slaughterhouse or whatever it's called? Death Proof. Yeah, I don't know if I want to watch that one. Mm, It's going to be hard. (laughs) Maybe. Who knows? We might be be surprised. (laughs) Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, we'll leave it at that. Nice haircut, by the way. It's short now. It looks good. It looks good. You you didn't like the long hair? Oh, the long hair suited as well. You suit this too. It can never it can never go long again. I feel bad about it. No, it's good. It's good. I, cool. It's not it's not that much different from your long hair because it's just your same hair except a little bit shorter. <laughs> right? What do you mean? It's way shorter. Well, it's still got length to it though. But the long hair was like. Yeah, but it's not like you, you've gone for a number two, you know what I mean? Like, if you had a number two, oh, yeah, then that would be way different, that look. So, yeah, you kind of just look the same, except a little bit shorter. I'm too fat to pull off a number two. I reckon I'll start rubbing my berry. I'll, like, call me Buddha. <laughs> <laughs> start rubbing your head, hoping for, like, some yeah, wishes. Being for, like, for good luck. Yeah, awesome. All right, everybody, catch us next on um, episode 66, which will be Kill Bill Volume 2. <clears throat> if you have any requests or um, uh, questions for us, I don't think anybody has questions, but um, maybe if you have a request of a kind of movie or a TV series you'd like us to review and recap, hit us up in the comments or send us an email. All these notes will be in the show notes of the whatever streaming platform that you are listening from. All right, so we'll catch you again, and we'll see you later, Tony. Cool, thank you. Bye.